0: Hello and welcome to Recovering From Your Child's Addiction. Step one, Questions one through 17. We admitted we were powerless over the addict, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step one is an awareness step. We all come into now and on with expectations. We wonder how this twelve step program is going to work and how long it will take to get the addict to come to their senses. We sometimes think that as soon as the addict stops using, the insanity in our lives will disappear and all our problems will be solved. Step one does not ask us to perform a task. It does not ask us to throw the addict out or get a divorce. It does not ask us to make any rash decisions. It only asks us to admit we are powerless. Admitting something seems like a simple thing to do. Nevertheless, it does not happen in an instant. Just as working the program is a process, so is admitting we are powerless and grasping what it means. This takes time and happens in its own way. It involves coming out of our denial realizing we have been trying to manage someone else's life, and in doing so, our lives have become unmanageable. Working the program involves a commitment from us, even though we may believe we do not have a problem. We hear we need to go to our meetings to listen and learn, and that we should attend at least six meetings to feel more comfortable and to understand this program. Are we now willing to try this in order to find a more peaceful way of life? Are we willing to find out what it means to admit we are powerless and that our lives have become unmanageable? Yes, it is time to open our minds and our hearts to be still and to let those who have come before us give us the strength to allow this program to work in our lives. Personally, I have attended Narna meetings. I have been to one in person and four virtual meetings. They were helpful, but I think my personality prefers one-on-one interactions instead of groups. I also prefer more dialogue. And the meetings I attended were a series of monologues by each member, so I think it's important to commit to a recovery journey, and how that is accomplished will vary from person to person. Most of us who enter the rooms of Naranon come because whatever we try to do to fix the addict does not work. We may be angry and frustrated, lost and confused, overwhelmed and fearful, not knowing where else to turn, we feel powerless and we are desperately seeking help. It may not be easy to admit we are powerless over the addict or that we cannot control and manage our own lives, We believe the addict is the only one who is out of control. Many times we have tried to show the addict how wrong they are. It seemed so obvious to us. We told ourselves if they would only stop using, then everything would be okay. We kept trying to find the one right thing to do or say that would get them to stop. Nothing worked. We just thought the addict was stubborn, blind, uncaring, and cruel. If our lives had also become unmanageable, it was certainly not for lack of trying to make it all work. After all, Weren't we the only ones who are able to manage things? Denial prevents us from admitting our lives have become unmanageable and that we are powerless over the addict. We seek Naran on help, hoping to end the cycle of addiction. We take a positive step towards our recovery and we break the bonds of denial and admit our lack of control over the addict. In our struggle to control the addict, we may find it difficult to admit we have lost ourselves, trying to control others, coupled with ignoring our own needs often results in a lowering of our self-image and self-esteem. We are fighting a battle we cannot win, and the quality of our lives gradually deteriorates. Finding and accepting reality is a way in which we can make positive changes in our lives and move forward with our own recovery. The choice is ours. Admit the problem, accept reality, and find solutions, or deny the problem, develop defense mechanisms, and hope our troubles will just disappear. Some of us immerse ourselves obsessively in other activities in order to sustain this denial. This is a coping mechanism which is a natural response to a painful situation. The rationale is that when we emerge from obsessive activity, the problem will have gone away. It is pointless to rationalize or try to cover up the consequences of addiction. Running away does not change anything. The fear and frustration we are feeling clouds the issue, but slowly we begin to see the unmanageable parts of our lives are not ours to manage. We are indeed powerless over the addict. All our manipulating maneuvering has not helped to resolve anything. We find we can no longer control and manage everything because it is not our lives we are trying to manage. We begin to learn where our responsibilities end. We recognize our limits. Just as we do not like it when our well-meaning relatives and friends try to tell us how to live, neither do our loved ones. In anon we learn to let go. We find we only prolong the struggle by meddling. We start by focusing on ourselves so we can stop our crazy, compulsive behavior. We can stand back without losing our love and compassion for the addict. We learn to not do for others what they can do for themselves. We come to understand the difference between helping and enabling. Facing consequences is a natural part of the learning process. We can remind ourselves things did not get better when we tried to fix them. When we stop our compulsive behavior of trying to make things right, our lives will become more manageable. It is not easy to surrender and let go. We may still think there is something we can do to help. If only we could silence the nagging voice in our heads telling us there is still one more thing we can do which may finally make a difference. Many Naranon members find it difficult to accept that the way we dealt with our loved one's addiction resulted in our becoming part of the problem. Addiction is a progressive disease. The longer we go on denying there is a problem or trying to fix the addict instead of focusing on our own lives, the more damage we cause ourselves. Suggestions for applying step one. Step one suggests we cannot change or control the addict. We need to accept that only the addict can change their life. We need to start doing things for ourselves. This is called tending to our own business. Here are some suggestions. Take a walk, rest, eat healthy meals, and take care of your health. Pray and meditate, write down your feelings, and read recovery literature. Go to meetings, hug someone, live just for today do things you like listen to music watch a movie or think about starting a new hobby consider finding and working with a sponsor assess daily what you think and feel and how you act toward the addict in life in general be it positive or negative write it down maybe share it with your sponsor or another non member in this way you recognize when your life is unmanageable this is a we program this step begins with we We take comfort in the fact that we are not alone as we begin to take steps toward our own recovery. We sometimes start out waiting and hoping for some new idea to help the addict get into recovery, or maybe just see the light. We want relief. We are tired of the chaos and pain addiction has caused. Initially, we cannot see beyond that pain. As we listen to and learn from others, we start to open our hearts and our minds to new possibilities and new ideas. You begin to think there is hope because we see that others seem to have a peace and serenity we have not known in a long time. We can feel the strength of the group and the support it gives us. We are no longer alone. Admitting and Honesty For many of us, it took a while to admit that addiction was a problem. Some members were shocked to discover their loved one is an addict, but then it all began to make sense. We start to recognize the signs of addiction often. We kid ourselves into thinking if we ignore the problem, it will go away. We fear if we admit there's an addiction problem, it will then become real. Eventually, the pain of living with the secret becomes greater than the pain of letting it out. That is when we seek the help of Naranon. The relief that comes from honestly opening up with others, who understand as few others can, simply cannot be measured. Finally, we believe it is safe to release all of our pent up anger, fear, and resentments. Another reason we may come to our first Naranon meeting is to find a way to get the addict we love to stop using. We are desperate to find the key to making the addicts see their lifestyle is destructive. We come filled with many questions. It may take a few meetings before we're able to be honest enough with ourselves to admit our lives are truly unmanageable. When we can admit this, we then begin to admit how powerless we are over the addict. Honesty can be painful, but with the help of other members in the program, and by realizing we are no longer alone with this disease, we begin to heal. We hear the 12 steps and the 12 traditions read at at meetings. We hear addiction is a family disease. Can we admit that? We hear group members talk about changing ourselves. Is this the reason we came to Naranon, to change ourselves? Or do we come to change the addict? Our thoughts may be scrambled and we may be confused. We can only focus on what we think the addict is doing to hurt us and how we can stop hurting. Slowly we begin to understand what other members are sharing. This is a new way of thinking, a new way to look at an old problem. We need to acknowledge what this disease is doing and how it's affecting our family, our well-being, and ourselves. We need to admit there's a problem. We begin to realize we have been in denial. Questions for Part 1. As I go through the questions, I hope you'll answer them for yourself, too. Number 1. Do I have trouble letting others know I am hurting? Yes, I do. Number 2. How can I find strength and support from others who have been where I am now? I can patiently work through this 12 step program. Number three, what am I learning as I listen to others? I have learned that the experience never goes away. I am permanently changed, so I need to learn to move forward. Number four, am I beginning to open my mind to the possibility of a new way of life? Yes, I especially need to learn what to do with my fear and disappointment. Number five, Can I see I have no control over the addict's drug use? I did not used to see this, but I do now. Number six, how have I tried to control the addict? I have contacted various drug dealers, reached out through social media, and begged them not to sell to my son. I have forced him into rehab many times. Those are just a few examples off the top of my head. Number seven, how do I try to control others? Do I try to help people when in reality I'm trying to control them? Well, I want all of my children to be safe and healthy so I can be controlling, and they don't seem to be making choices that align with that. Number eight, how is my need for power or control related to enabling? It feels horrible to watch someone you love self-destruct. I definitely want to save him from himself. Number nine, did I initially come to Naranon to find out how to get the addict to stop using? I did not because the problem has been going on so long that by the time I decided to try Naranon, I had realized no one would have the answer to that. Number 10, what actions have I taken to try to help the addict? I have supported him emotionally and financially when he's asked for treatment, and I have reduced micromanaging him. Number 11, how have steps I've taken to protect the addict from the consequences of his actions worked for either of us? It has not helped. History just keeps repeating itself. When I obtained legal help for his crimes, he just committed 10 more. It's a losing battle. Number 12. How am I still making excuses for the addict? Is yes, but a part of my explanation? I know he has major issues. I don't typically make excuses for him, but I do feel like he must have rotten genetics or some serious mental health issues or something else beyond his control that is driving this. I do stop short of blaming him 100%. Powerlessness. What does it mean? When we finally realize we are powerless over others and our own behavior is out of control, then we are finally ready for step one. We admit our lives have become unmanageable and we need help. We want to find relief and freedom from the pain we are experiencing in our lives. We feel anxious and confused. We desperately need peace and serenity. All our efforts at managing our lives and trying to control and fix the addict have failed. Our hopes and dreams are shattered when the plans we make do not work. Step one is the first step in our journey to wholeness and wellness. Number thirteen. Do I still think there is something I can say or do to get the addict to stop using drugs? I used to, but I don't anymore. Sometimes I do fantasize there is still a magic inspiration out there, and if only I could find it, then he would be able to truly overcome this. But my rational mind knows there is nothing I can say or do. Number fourteen. Can I admit I am powerless over the addict? Yes, I get it now. Number 15. What was I powerless over this week? How did it make me feel? When I cannot seem to control my irritability and impatience, I feel out of control. Number 16. What have I done in the past to fix something because I was worried or scared? What can I do differently next time? I get overprotective and I can be overbearing to the other kids. I overreact when i'm anxious or worried and unfortunately i am easily anxious and worried i send them news stories to scare them into believing me in the future i can trust god that everything will be okay even if something bad happens i can manage it number 17. what things in my life do i think i have control over what i eat what i wear technically i have control over my own thoughts words and actions but I don't feel qualified or capable. A member shares a story of powerlessness. I do not understand powerlessness in relation to addiction. I was sure there was plenty I could do to get the addict off drugs. I knew it was just a matter of finding the right hospital or program. This was my loved one, and it was a life-or-death situation for me. I just couldn't let him die. I bargained and pushed him into about five different programs, and the last time I took him to the hospital for rehabilitation, I knew he would either leave or get thrown out. I finally realized there was nothing I could do to get another person to stop using drugs. I was powerless. The counselors had told me this many times, but I wasn't ready to hear it, and I did not believe it until now. I was tired and scared and had no hope. I had hit my rock bottom. Thank you for listening. Join me next time for Step 1, Questions 18-40. through 40.